Okay. Hey guys, uh, viewers, followers, thanks again for joining us. Uh, episode four of our uh, guest speaker series. Today, obviously, we've got our friend, owner of Playball Academy and Cody Angels minor league coach, Trevor Knight, joining us. Trev, uh, thanks for jumping on with us today. Um, so give give the people, those who may not know you from Newfoundland, those who may not know you from PSA, give us a little bit about your, uh, your background to start it off here. Yeah, no, uh, thanks for having me. And uh, like you said, I'm the owner of Playball Academy Canada here in Kitchener, Ontario. Um, grew up here playing, uh, played rep ball, and then played a little bit of elite baseball before getting a, a scholarship. Um, went down to the U.S. and played down there in, the, in a college in, in Illinois. Did that for a year. And then came back to Canada, actually, and played at Laurier for three years. Um, it was kind of there where I decided I wanted to open the facility. So I actually dropped out and started this place that you see behind me right now um, about six years ago. And uh, from there, the, kind of the development side of the game took off for me. And um, I worked my way into, you know, getting into the coaching side of things, more on the personal level at first. And then it kind of grew a little bit more. And then I kind of figured out that my niche was infield play and defensive play specifically. Um, and just last year, uh, the Los Angeles Angels contacted me and uh, gave me a job. So it's been kind of the, a whirlwind adventure, but it's, uh, it's been awesome. It, it, never, it never ceases to amaze uh, the opportunities that are out there if you just keep, keep your, uh, your, your doors open. No, definitely. I, before you um, before you joined the Angels, you were doing a bit of scouting first, right? Yes, actually, I was with the the Washington Nationals. I failed, failed to mention that I was an associate scout with the Nationals for uh, two years, two and a half years. That was kind of my, I guess, intro into pro baseball on the development side of things. So I got to to learn that side of the game, which is totally something I never. Uh, would have imagined doing um, growing up. So it was really, really cool opportunity and it just opened doors for me uh, on the other side of things as well. So it's been good. It's being on the scouting side. How did that change your perspective uh, on baseball? You know, what people are looking for on that side of the fence versus coaches and things like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, you find like a lot of people will look at someone's uh, talent right away. They'll say, Oh, that guy hits the ball 400 feet. Um, you know, he'll do it one time in a game, and apparently that guy has got to be the pro guy. But um, what I didn't know uh, going in is the stuff that they look at behind the scenes, you know, the character of guys, uh, the makeup and the projectability of their bodies and, you know, how young they are versus what level they're playing at, um, what their families are like, um, how they are in school. Like, there's just so many other factors that go into evaluating talent and, and these kids nowadays that I had zero idea of. And, um it now, you know, knowing that stuff makes a ton of sense and you see why they look at it. Um, and it's not just about how well they play the game that day that you're out there watching. It's, it's about, you know, your work ethic and how much you're going to improve over the years to come and how much you're going to continue to improve um, once you do make it to that, to that level. Um, that's the one thing that, you know, I was very, very surprised by and, and learned very quickly that it's not about looking at the immediate stuff. It's about looking into the future. And that's that was a very, very valuable thing for me to learn as a, as a scout and as a coach. Well, I guess, yeah, when you say it out loud, right, it kind of makes sense. I mean, if you're drafting somebody into your organization, you know, it's one thing to pay them a lot of money, but you're hoping that you'd have that person for a long time and you want to develop them. You want to make sure that they fit within the nucleus of your association, mm -hmm. right? That it's someone you can bring in, not only can have an impact on the field, but have an impact in the clubhouse and the community, you know, things like that, right? No doubt. Yeah, it's about it, – honestly, it's, it's about drafting – I mean, with anything, it's about drafting ultimately like the most athletic, good humans that you can find. Right. Th those two those two things are like the best combination possible. So, um, you know, you, you could have the most talented, skilled guy ever. But, you know, if that person uh, isn't open to instruction, isn't open to, uh, you know, getting better on a regular basis. Uh, you know, what's the point in having a guy like that? It's just going to be a cancer. So. Um, you know, it's definitely at, at the younger ages, the amateur ages, it's, it's about looking into athletes and, and good people um, at the end of the day. No, definitely. So you just uh, last week, oh, you, I guess it was last week, you just got back from a long road trip, right? Uh, you, you did the double trip to Arizona and back in just a few weeks yeah. span. You know, why don't you tell us a little bit, first tell us about what the road trip is like driving from Kitchener-Waterloo all the way down to Arizona. And then, you know, just talk a little bit about what was happening on down there at spring training, you know, when, when all this stuff kicked off, you know, a few weeks ago. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's crazy, man. Like, so last year was the, obviously the first spring training that I went to. Drove down and had the full 
you know, full spring training experience and then drove off the affiliate and had the full season, obviously zero interruptions, got back and it was just an amazing experience. Um, this year was the buildup was the same. The, I, I mean, the off season couldn't have taken any longer. It felt like it was six years. Um, I was just so anxious to get back down there. Um, so finally, when the time came, uh, got to go down a little bit early, which was nice and hang out with some of the, some of the big league guys and the JIT guys, which was cool. Um, but yeah, so going down was great, you know, long drive. And when you have the, when you have it in your mind that you're excited to do that drive, you know, the, the drive doesn't seem as bad. You're like enjoying the journey, taking pictures, you know, stopping all the good spots along the way. You get down there and you're excited to jump into work. And, um, I got down there and it was great for the first week, week and a half. And then this coronavirus thing got a little bit, uh, a little bit scary. It started getting, you know, around the clubhouse in the, in the sense that people were talking about it and, you know, questioning it and at first kind of making fun of it. Right. And, and it wasn't a big serious thing. And then um, it was last Thursday, we're all sitting in the clubhouse. It was kind of a rainier day in Arizona, which is already bizarre. And we're sitting in the clubhouse having lunch and the MLB networks on naturally. And, they're talking on the panel about how spring training games have now just been canceled. Um, and we're like, what? Like we were supposed to play that day. So, um, so that was a little bit crazy. Uh, we still didn't know anything of it, you know, didn't think anything about it. And then um, later that afternoon at the meeting, the, you know, baseball operations guy, um, director of operations came in and was like, yeah, we don't know too, too much, but it doesn't look like um, there's going to be much going on here for the next couple of days at least. So at that point we're thinking, okay, well, a couple of days off, it'll be fine. Um, no big deal. So we're just hanging out in Arizona for, you know, a couple of days. And then Sunday morning I wake up and to a phone call from the same, the same guy. And um, he's like, Trevor, you gotta, you gotta figure out a way to get out of here, man. Like you want to fly or do you want to drive, but we gotta go either way. So, um, and at that time they were talking about the borders and it was just getting crazy. So I, I was a little bit, you know, unnerved and had to hustle out of there. So I ended up, yeah, hopping on the road Monday morning of last week and, I got home Tuesday night at about midnight. So I guess that would be Wednesday morning, but 33 hours in two days. I don't recommend it, but you got to do what you got to do and you got to get back. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I guess, you know, without, I guess without sharing too much information, I know there's probably stuff you hear behind the scenes, but you know, what, what, what are you hearing? You know, when, what, what are they talking about with the season? I mean, it's obviously dependent on what's going on out there, but what kind of communication is coming down about the impact of the baseball season? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the, the questions initially were, Honestly, initially, the, the reaction was very frustrating. Like, this is stupid. This shouldn't be happening. What is going on? Blah, 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 blah. But now you're starting to see the severity of the whole, the whole issue. And um, it's not something to actually take lightly at all. Um, you know, people really do got to do their part to stay, you know, stay isolated now in this time. And um, I think the Angels and other MLB organizations have done a really, really good job in cracking down and making sure that people did get out of the complexes fast. I mean, there's 250 plus bodies in those places every day. You know, that's that's nothing to joke about. And they're out in the, in the public in the evening. And so they did a really, really good job of getting everybody out of there, getting back on planes, getting back to their hometowns and, and getting them isolated as soon as possible. Um, and then guys on the flip side of it were also very, very cooperative. So I think ultimately they, they did a really, really good job of getting everybody rounded up and gone, but um, the uncertainty is still there and we still don't know really what is going on. There aren't very many questions that have been, have been answered for us. Um, and it's no one's fault. It's just that no one understands you know, how long this thing's going to actually go for. Um, so really right now, the focus within the MLB and, um, you know, the Angels, the Angels organization specifically is just about, you know, doing our part to make sure everybody gets better and, and flatten the curve, as they say. Um, but uh, that being said, we did, we did hear from the MLB that they're hoping to play um, in June, it sounds like. Um, I don't know if that is still the, the talk. Uh, that was the last I checked, but um, that would mean camp would open up. I guess it'd be like an abbreviated camp back in Arizona. I don't know, in May. And then, um, you know, we would get going. It'd be a shortened season. So I think it'd be like 100 games for the, the MLB plus playoffs and then uh, 75 games or so for the, the MLB or the minor league season. So wow. um, we're just hoping to get back out on the ball, on the ball field, man. But ultimately, we got to make sure everybody stays healthy first. So you don't want anybody getting hurt. No, definitely. Definitely. Thanks for the update. Appreciate that. Yeah, no sweat. I think we got a few questions starting to pop in on the line there. Yeah, we do actually. Um, so, uh, Trevor, uh, <laughs> question actually comes from uh, Lincoln. So Lincoln would like Lincoln, what a guy. Uh, he wants to hear 
what can he do at home right now to help his fielding and defensive stuff? What's one or two drills or even a recommendation of where to go to maybe see these drills? I know that you guys at Playball Academy have been really good with your content, but he wants to know what can he be doing at home fielding and defensive-wise? Yeah, for sure. So, um, I mean, honestly, like, I don't know what kind of space you got, Lincoln, but if you have a five-by-five five cube of space, even if it's just carpet, whatever it, it might be, all you need is like a tennis ball. You might not even need a ball, to be honest. You can be doing footwork stuff. Um, but if you have a tennis ball and a wall, um, you can be doing any kind of hand isolation drills, and you can get creative with it. There's nothing specific that you have to be doing. Um, ultimately, just just get your hand-eye coordination going. Um, work on transfers. Work on little footwork drills that you can be doing um, in, in tight spaces. And honestly, working in tight spaces is not a bad thing because as an infielder or an a defensive player in, in particular, your movements shouldn't be super big anyways. You want to try and keep your actions compact and smooth. So um, working in, in confined spaces isn't always the end of the world. Um, if you can get outside, if it's not too, too bad in Newfoundland right now, if you can get outside and, and, and do some stuff on a, on a larger scale, um, even at like a school um, tarmac area, get, on, get a tennis ball or a baseball and throw it against a, a brick wall, and work on moving your feet through ground balls. Um, you always got a fungo, man, when it comes to a wall. So um, there's not, there's like ample, ample amounts of drills that you can do on your own uh, with that. And again, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. Um, just small, little isolation movements, and really focusing on your backhand, your forehand, and your and your two-handed drills in the middle, and your eye eye-hand coordination, and rhythm, and timing, and all these different things that you can be doing. Um, there are. The amazing thing about this quarantine is that social media is an unbelievable resource. And not only are we at Playball Academy putting out quarantine drills, but there's there's drills everywhere. Just search, do, do the hashtag baseball drills on Twitter or Instagram or what have you, and you will find millions. And if you have any questions, like just direct message me and I will tell you if it's a good drill or not. Like uh, we're all here to help. And um, ultimately it's it. You know, if you're doing anything, you're probably making yourself better. So you, you can't go wrong. If you're just doing something 10, 15 minutes a day, I mean, you're, you're going to be golden, man. Awesome. We, we had um, <clears throat> to the last couple of guests we've had on, uh, particularly Skellhorn talked about it and also Nixon yesterday. And we talked about, you know, some of the things you can be doing was obviously being in shape. You know, both talked about the emphasis of showing up in shape. Um, when you're heading down to spring training, uh, you know, what are you seeing out of these guys the last couple of years? I mean, are these guys coming in just in – in stud shape or they having to work through some things what, what do you see in uh, on the angel side of things i mean i mean no one's in, in as good a shape as me but uh <laughs> no, i'm totally i'm totally kidding um no it's crazy man these guys are these guys are machines and ultimately that, that is actually the biggest thing that i would say is that um they're staying athletic as much as possible these guys are already really really talented talented athletes and they know what they're doing with their positions you know they, they 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 have what they need to work on when they're hitting they have what they need to work on when they're throwing um, defensively, they need it. They need to, they know what they need to work on, but ultimately they're always getting better in the gym. So they're always doing, you know, things to better their bodies. So you, it's crazy to see the, the bodies transform. Um, you know, the guy that might've been six foot one, 165 pounds last year comes into camp this year at six foot one, 190 pounds. And you're like, that guy did not miss a meal and absolutely just focused all winter long. And that is the coolest thing to see. And I think that's a very, very, um, missed thing among athletes in our area um and the younger athletes is they just think they can take take days off um that is like the worst thing you can do you know even if even if you're 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 gassed and you're tired and you're you're having issues um get in the gym or get in get in a space and just move even if it's if it's like 10 minutes 20 minutes just move and do something that's going to help you because you take that day off and you're just going backwards so um that's the one thing that I think separates the professional athletes from the, the high school and the amateur athletes. Um, they just have that mindset and they don't all, they don't all get that right away. Um, that sure. has to be driv driven into them a little bit. It takes the right people to, uh, you know, explain that to them. But um, once you do buy into that, man, you, you're just going to see your body soar. So definitely keep your body in shape. And I, I know Noah, you can vouch for that as well. Well, you answered, yeah, you answered a question that I was going to have. What do you prefer, rest or active rest, right? You know, so I think you just answered that, right? It's always active rest. <laughs> always yeah. active rest, man. Get on a foam roller and stretch it out, mobility stuff. Oh, my gosh, mobility is like the, almost the number one thing that I, I wish athletes would be doing. Pitchers, hitters, catchers, doesn't matter what you are. 
move, like learn how to move. Yeah. The more, the more flexible you become, um, the more range of motion you get in all your joints, just the, the more thoracic rotation you're going to get when you're swinging and you're throw. it's just, it's ultimately like the, the, the movement side of things I would argue is equally as important as the strength. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, definitely. I, I tend to agree with you there. Um, so another question we have from Joey. So Joey came in with a question more so about the, uh, hitting side, but again, uh, talking about some drills at home, he, he asked, is there a quick hit, swing, catching, hand-eye drill that we can do at home? Uh, on the hitting side, he used to do a golf club shaft with some ping-pong balls. Is something like that useful, or do you have any recommendations when it comes to hand-eye coordination? I love that idea. I think that's a great idea. Any, anything that you, you, you mix up with size of, of, of balls that you're hitting, like you watch uh, a lot of like the Dominican guys that hit like sunflower seeds or, or corn kernels. Um, that's that, that stuff nuts. So if you're if you're doing that, you're a better man than me. So I would I would absolutely absolutely uh, you know vouch for that. Um, but other things like you don't even necessarily need need like an object in your hand to swing. You can do a lot of stuff with um, you know a baseball in your right hand, throw it up in the in the hitting zone, and then cr come to it with your other hand and catch it in the hitting zone where you would be making contact. That's another drill you can do. Um, there's a lot of different things you can do, even just in a mirror. Get in a mirror. And watch your stance and look at the way your body works in sequence visualize a pitcher throwing to you and um just go through the like the motions of what your swing should look like don't go full speed slow things down break it down like step by step from the ground up and and really just take a a, a deep in 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 tune look into what you're doing and then go into your hand-eye coordination drills um honestly for hitting you don't necessarily need to be actually doing a swing either. You can be on a wall, just doing little balls off the wall and just working on your eyesight, just, just doing little hand-eye coordination drills that way too. That's also going to benefit you at the plate um, when coming in, when, when stepping in there and, and taking swings. So you don't need to necessarily be hitting a ball or swinging a bat to be doing uh, hitting drills by any means. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Sorry, go ahead, Noah. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I was just saying it makes sense. And again, Joey, I hope that answered your question there from uh, that you had for Trevor. So Ryan, uh, we'll go back to you. So uh, I guess, Trevor, you know, uh, some of the guests might know that you were down here uh, last month for our grand opening. Um, yeah, so much. You fun. Know, it was, yeah, it was a pretty cool event. Obviously, thanks. Thanks again. We want to say thanks to them yeah. for that. Um, one of the, one of the things I wanted to talk about, you and I spoke about the other day, is you know making a make a bit of a, a formal informal sister uh, uh, facility of one another is you know kind of play ball and PSA teaming up to help out those athletes that that might be in one another's locations. You want to talk about that a little bit and you know tell people what we can be doing for them? Yeah, no doubt. Basically, I mean the the Newfoundland population down here is just absurd. It's I, I feel like we're Newfoundland <laughs> So um and and vice versa i think we a lot of ontarians make it out that way as well just because of family and whatnot so we want to really just open our doors to to any psa members um that are down here and they're in their traveling or or might be visiting family or what have you um just come in prove your membership that you're prove that you're a psa member or, or ambassador back home and and uh we'll get you in the doors here and make sure you guys can get your work in and continue to do something while you're here and um you you have our uh we have your back essentially so uh, you know, nothing, no charge, come in, use our spot and, and vice versa, hopefully out there. Um, yeah, 100%. Have our, have our play ball people going out that way, and, you know, get our guys to go in there and, um, you know, work out at your spot too, because I think, I think we have uh, two of the coolest buildings in the country, in my opinion. And, and uh, I think the more people can see these places, the better. So. No, definitely. And that's, you know, there's a, you know, people, been apprehensive to come here obviously you know you have to take a bit of a pause from your baseball but you know hopefully now people aren't so apprehensive to come visit their family back here you know they'll be able to continue their game and, and get inside you know whether it's in the winter or in the <clears> summer you know we've got something for you guys so same thing that goes for all the play ball members you guys come down here to visit family or whatever you prove your play ball membership and, and we'll take care of you no doubt and the other thing too i just want to touch base on that real quick is that i want to make sure that the efficiency of knowing what these facilities can offer um is like just because it's uh, nice outside doesn't mean a place indoor is going to be, you know, out of the question. I think I think people need to understand the the how efficient it is to actually be inside and what you can do in here. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be expensive ever. Um, you know, there's always we're, like you, you guys know as well as I know, we're always just trying to make sure people can get what they need in here. And we're working with those people to get in the doors and do it. Um, ultimately, get hit in a cage is 
I'm, it might not be as cool to see how far the ball or doesn't you don't get to see how far the ball goes when you hit it, but you're getting way more swings in. You're getting quality over quantity essentially, and that's and that's ultimately what we want to do to get better. Um, people got to start to see that this is a good spot to be in, indoors in the summer, and you can pair that up with being outside, and and it becomes a really really deadly combo. No, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, one of the things we learned from you the first week you were down here, you know. Um, it was when we were throwing at the beginning as part of our, our warm-up, uh, you know, we jump right into our catching and you just put it out there like, listen, guys, this is the objective right now is not catching the baseball. We'll get into that with our yeah. drills. If we want to throw, look at all these nets. Let's throw into these nets. We've got lots of baseballs, space out and just start throwing the balls. And since that time, we have not yeah. had anyone have a pre-game warm-up catch. Everything is done in the nets. So, And that's oh, been love brilliant that. for us. Yeah, I think I think I think uh, aside from fishermen, I think baseball people are, are the biggest netting fans on earth. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got both out this way, so I mean, yeah, I love that hand in hand, right? So yeah, it was definitely something that we've adopted and uh, we put in place for no matter what the group, no matter what age it is. Um, all of our all of our athletes are doing that now, where they can go in on their own and they understand. Hey, my friend may not be here today, but you know what? I can still actually throw, even throw some long toss into the nets that we have here at PSA. So, um, definitely something that we kind of took from you and something that we've adopted, and it was great. It works on efficiency and it gets everybody kind of moving initially when they get in after they do their dynamic. And cannot 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 thank you enough for that. Um, so. We have another question that came in, but um, so uh, and from Joey. Um, Joey, he says, "Do you see any value in a yoga-specific movement action for mobility?" I, I kind of have an answer for this one, but uh, Trev, I'm going to let you take that one. Heck yeah, man! I don't know much about yoga, but do it absolutely. Yeah. Like I said earlier, and I think Noah, you can touch on this right after, man. But as long as you're moving, I don't care what you're doing, really. Like yeah. you can be you can be playing video games and still moving your legs and doing crazy stuff like that. Just move, just move, move, move. Yeah. There's no, there is no my way or the highway to, to become a better athlete. So um, as long as you're just moving, I think, I think you're going to be all right. But I, if I knew more yoga stuff, I would absolutely uh, lend you some, some tips, but I, I, I just move. I just run around. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. I mean, uh, if you look at, and again, uh, Trevor kind of hit it home right there, just any kind of movement again uh, with our younger kids, our T-ball kids, we play tag to warm up. All yep, they do down and it's movements um, for our older kids. Uh, we do a football style kind of uh, cool down where they're still moving and engaging every kind of muscle group. And again, breaking a sweat before we actually get into the baseball specific activity. Anything where you can break a sweat, I think, in my opinion, is very beneficial. So break a sweat 100%. if it means getting outside, doing it down in your basement. I mean, any kind of movement that way. Well, I mean, just I really, really. Oh, sorry, Ryan. No, go, go ahead, Trev. A really cool one that I've, I've started to notice uh, a lot of people doing, and, and um, these guys are geniuses for even inventing this thing, but is spike ball. Like spike ball, <laughs> spike ball is like the coolest. Oh my gosh. There's, I don't think there's anything more fun in my opinion. And you can do that on your knees. Like you can be in, in the basement on your knees just working hand to eye and still moving. And it's, there's some fun things to do. So if you got, if you got like a bigger family and you guys are in socially distancing or whatever it's called, and you're in your basement and you have a spike ball set, man, get on your knees and play like a little variated game of that. It'd be, it's a blast. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, I was just going to make a comment about the yoga, just anecdotal experience. I mean, you know, you know, Mr. Baker pretty well, Luke Baker up there. I mean, he's a yeah, big yeah, yoga advocate and proponent and that guy's a stud still at his age. So, you know, I'm not calling yeah. you old Luke. I'm just, I'm just saying that you're, <laughs> you're, you're a well-maintained machine. And you kind of, kind of swear by yoga. So. Bakes is a man, man. But Bakes is like lived on just movement based, isolation drills like that for his whole life and he's in the best shape i've ever seen so um there that guy is obviously uh doing something right so i'm a big advocate for yoga if i knew how to do it i would do it but um maybe i'll get into it over this quarantine period <laughs> for sure um we got another so joey joey's been good with the questions he's uh keeping on top of it he has uh this is more of a statement in, leading into a question but he said <laughs> Uh, there's a rumor that I've heard that professional baseball players are not allowed to play golf during the season, so it doesn't affect their swing. Is there any truth to this? That's garbage. That's garbage, Joey. We can play golf, man. Yeah, have, have fun, man. Be, be an athlete. Who cares? Have fun. You, there's, there's zero wrecking your swing when it comes to golf. I, I think if, if you go up to the plate and you think you got to swing a, a bat like a golf club, you're in trouble. But um, no. I would just, I would say, go have fun and, and just be adjust, just be flexible and be able to adjust. That's all. 
Perfect. I got one. I got one for you. Just uh, I, you know, the list from earlier. We're just kind of going through some some baseball scenarios. It's kind of something I wanted to throw at you. So your first mm-hmm. AB of the game. All right. So you you get that you get down in the count, uh, oh and two, right? And the guy uh, throws your fastball. You foul the back. Comes inside with an off speed. Misses. It's three and one. He throws you a three one hook and gets you to swing through it and then catches you looking at a fastball on the outside corner. Strikes you out. Right. So mm-hmm. just, you know, kind of mess you around. What are you thinking in your next A-B? How are you approaching that guy? Turn the page. Turn the page. Go back in with the same mindset that I had in, when I, in my initial A-B. Know what he's got. You know, by, by my second at-bat, I understand what, is, what he's got in his repertoire. Um, you know, is he, does he go to his breaking ball with two strikes? Is he, is he locating? Um, what's his velo like? I know all these things going into that second A-B. So that's in the head. But the second I step in the batter's box, my approach is the same. Hunt fastballs and attack it. It's simple. Yeah. So um, I my previous at bat should never carry into my next at bat. My previous at bat should never carry into the defense. OK, um, you've got to isolate certain parts of your game and you mentally you need to stay so strong the entire time through. You should be equally as gassed up here as you are physically by the end of the game, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that's important, too. I mean, if you have one at bat like that, I mean, you shouldn't be necessarily changing your approach. I mean, if something happens over three or four or five game span, you might have to reevaluate and change some things up. But, you know, in the context of the game, I think a lot of people kind of forget that. It's like, yeah, you didn't get a hit in your first bat. That's okay. But if you go two, you get two hits in your next two at bats, hey, you're two for three that game, right? So, I mean, don't be changing stuff like that mid-game, right? Very important to understand. Get out of that head a little bit. The other thing, too, is that not every not every out that you make is a bad out. Um, you got to understand that if you strike out and you fouled off three or four pitches, um, even if you struck out in that third strike and you went down looking, but you just battled a little bit, you saw a bunch of pitches. Saw seven um, pitches. Yeah, you made that guy work. You saw seven pitches. Um, you gave you gave your teammates uh, an opportunity to see more pitches from that guy, um, which ultimately gives guys more comfortable comfort when they walk step into the batter's box. So. Um, you know, don't always be thinking hit, 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 hit or result oriented. Think, think uh, pitch by pitch and just compete, man. And just figure out there's, there's just so many other little positives that you can take from the game and they can be on the smallest scale possible. And I think if you start looking at it, minuscule details like that, the game becomes a lot, more, it just grows on you and you become a lot more positive and confident overall. And I, and I've actually brought that, you got you can bring that into life, man. Just little, little things. Um, on, a, on a daily basis or on, on a bat basis, um, just take little things away and, and those things build up and you're just going to ultimately get, gain that confidence and um, become second nature. Yeah, no, awesome. Yeah. No, on that side of things too, and I'll just comment on that as well. I mean, um, if you look at it, I think, and if, if an outfielder, if you hit the ball deep to left field and that left fielder makes a diving catch over his shoulder, hey, you yep. just audit, it, take the, take the cap off, tip the cap and get back yeah. You just you just spanked that ball, and that guy made a great play. Um, okay. He he might have been out of position even to make that play because he had to dive. So again, you had him moving in circles, and he just was a, a beast of an athlete to get the ball. So again, take the positives out of every at bat, and that's my that would be my advice again, just building on what I said there. So big big time, man, big time. And I think like a lot of thing, a lot of guys will jump into the game situation, think about what they've been working on in practice, and. Let that take over, and I think that's a big issue as well. You got to make sure that you're separating the practice from, the, from your, your competition. Um, yes, you want to implement things that you've been working on, but you got to let that happen naturally. You naturally, one hundred percent. You can't go ahead. You can't go into a game into a ground ball situation, a ball hit at you at shortstop, and thinking, okay, right foot, left foot, catch the ball, left eye, blah blah blah. Like you can't do all these different things. You got to just go get the baseball and get the guy out at first base. However, that happens is is okay. Just let's, let's just focus on getting that out and let's compete, and then let's. Uh-oh. Oh. There we go. Let's see. Oh, we got a bit of whatever you want to do after. Am I still there? I just phone call. I apologize. No, sweat. You're still here. Yeah. You're still here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All good. But, um, yeah, did uh, we just caught the uh, kind of the end of that. So. I broke it. No, can you're you still us? here. I can't. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. I can't hear you. Okay. One second. Hold on. Maybe not. All right. Apologies for the delay, folks. Um, we good here now? Any idea how I fix this? Can you type Log it? off and log <laughs> back on. 
Yeah. One sec. We'll take Trevor out, and uh, guys, we'll be right back with Trevor Knipe in just a second. Sorry for the uh, technical difficulties. We knew this was going to come up. Craig, uh, I see a question from Craig, Craig Walker. So I'll just no idea what happened. Craig's here first. So, um, Craig, how many pitchers should a pitcher throw in the bullpen before entering a game, be it a starter or a reliever? Those are two completely different concepts. Uh, one for a starter. I mean, I took a lot of the kids through it this summer, but and you're having a, a catch, typically you should get out to a fairly long distance before a game. You want to be throwing a good 30 to 35 balls in, in a catch setting, getting out at least over 100 feet, uh, and then bringing that back to the mound and doing multiple variations of each pitch, whether it be from the windup or the stretch. I mean, you realistically, you should have probably thrown about 60 baseballs or so before you step on the mound in the game. And I just kind of your perspective on that too, Noah, your opinion. Yeah, um, just from my opinion there, um, one sec. No idea. We'll move Trevor out. We can still hear you. So um, just one second. We'll move Trevor out for just a second, get him to log back on. Um, but, yeah, in terms of how many pitches should a pitcher throw in the bullpen before entering a game, uh, for me it's feel. Um, not, every, not every pitcher, not every thrower is going to enter the game the same way. Again, myself personally right now and where I am with my career and with – my my baseball activity um some days long toss works really well some days only going out to about 80 feet works really well and throwing the ball on the line so again it, uh for our younger pitchers who are typically just going to be starting a game and not necessarily coming in relief uh the biggest thing that i can say is listen listen to your arm um listen to how you're feeling that day uh some days you're going to be able to air it out and really feel that arm stretch out and get loose um, but then again, if you played shortstop the day before and you're coming in the next day, understanding that you're going to have the pitch, um, the biggest thing is, is feel it out. So that means getting a good stretch in, getting the body really warm before we step on the line to throw. And then those first initial about 10, 15 throws are really going to tell you a lot about how you feel that day. So the first 10 to 15 are where we feel it out and understand how the body's moving. If we're not moving efficiently and it feels a bit kind of hitchy or, a little uncomfortable and not really in sync with how we usually throw the baseball, then it may not be a good day to really extend. It may be a good day just to get out to the distance that you're going to actually be pitching from and then go into your uh, bullpen. So typically I would say about uh, like once we've gotten past the warm up phase and into the bullpen, um, you can look at 15 to 20. I know for me, I like to throw about 40 to 50. So I'm a 40 to 50 guy because I want to be throwing my max velocity, my max. I want to have a feel for all my pitches. Uh, the main thing is, is I stick to the rule of three when we talk about pitching. So uh, when we talk about the rule of three, what I mean is I'll start with three fastballs um, and then I'll go three fastballs and then I'll start locating my fastballs. So I'll go in, out, in. And then what I'll do is I'll typically go from my fastballs to my changeup. And then once I'm in the changeup phase, it's about locating it for three. Then I move into my breaking ball and I'll do three breaking balls. Then I'll go back to one fastball and then transition back. So I have a sequence and a pattern that I usually use in the bullpen, depending on how the pitches feel, because you really need to get a feel for all your pitches and understand what you're going to be able to throw successfully that day. Um, so again, really, really dependent on just getting a feel, but definitely uh, going from anywhere between 15 to 30 is typically uh, what I would recommend at all ages, but again, once again, it depends on how your arm feels that day. So um, let's see if I can get uh, Trevor back on here. Just one second, guys. Yeah, he's, he's saying he's in the background there. Can you hear us? I'm back. Boom. Oh, excellent, good. excellent. Perfect. Sorry, man. I, I don't know what the heck happened. I got a phone call, and it just ruined everything. I apologize. That's I okay. <laughs> that's okay all right so we actually have another question while you were gone there so um cool. joey once again our guy joey so he wants to know do you work with any sports psychologists i actually don't um like at play ball not at all um we have access to the most amazing i guess mental conditioning coach um within the angels organization most most professional organizations will have one um or two um, and he was a huge resource to me um, last season on multiple occasions. Um, if you have an opportunity to talk to a sports psychologist or um, someone like that and just air out anything that you ha might have going on, it, I highly recommend it. Always, always talk. It doesn't have to necessarily be a sports psychologist. 
Um, I think Joey, I don't think you have an issue with asking questions, man. So if there's any, anybody that you can talk to at any time, just do it because, um, just airing out what you're feeling or, or thinking, um, is always better than keeping it in and trying to figure it out for yourself. So, um, absolutely. If you get an opportunity to do that, do it. What did you, I guess for you and we kind of t tying into that question, what did you struggle with most when you played? When I played, um, yeah. mistake recovery. So yeah. me talking, me talking about how you got to leave at bats, you know, in your last at bat or not take out bats onto the field. I did not do that. I, there's a reason I coach now and I don't play um, <laughs> because I could not get over mistakes. I was way, way too hard on myself. I always, I always worried about what everybody else was thinking. Um, and that was a very, very crippling thing for me. And I think it limited my ability to make it to the next level um, at the professional ranks. So, um, you know, I played at a decent level, but nothing, I don't think as high as I could have played. So, um, and that was not physical. That was mental hundred percent. So if I could, if I could go back in and tell people that, uh, or go back and do something differently, it would be change my psyche and just go and play and have fun because ultimately that's, that's how you succeed in this sport. And I'm, you need to, you need to be around coaches who also understand that you're going to make mistakes. You need to, you need to be around people that understand that this game is all failure. And, uh, if you can't handle that, you're probably playing the wrong sport. So, um, that was a big one for me. Um, and then on the coaching side of things, just this past season was the transition from going to player from player to coach and, and then being at that level was a big one for me. So talking to my, um, uh, mental conditioning coach, um, with the angels was awesome. There was a time where I was throwing batting practice to these guys and it was amazing. And then all of a sudden I got the yips, um, uh, in front of our GM and, uh, <laughs> on the field. And I was like, this is horrible. Like I should probably just go home and, uh, like literally talked to my mental conditioning coach about throwing batting practice. And he was able to like, put me in a place of like, okay, where do you, what do you feel when you're doing things right? And it was amazing. So I, you know, they're always, you're always going to have like little challenges with, with everything you do, um, in any job, any, any situation. Um, you just gotta, you just gotta realize that these are just like little things that are going to happen and you can't, you can't control that. You got to make sure that you just move on and keep, and just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep moving forward. I guess yeah. one kind of, you talked about having the yips I mean, quickly just kind of let everyone know what the yips are. Real. Oh, I apologize. The yips are something when you can't do the easiest task. I, I wouldn't say the easiest task, but a very like rudimentary task, something that you're doing all the time that you're super comfortable with and no one really has issues with. And then all of a sudden it just, it seems like you can't, you cannot do it anymore. Like for, mm -hmm. for me specifically, it was throwing batting practice when batting practice, you're throwing a ball 14, 15 feet at not very, at not a very hard pace. And I would be spiking the ball like five feet from me or sailing it over the backstop or like hitting guys. And I just felt horrible. So I did that in front of our, uh, in front of the major league GM, Billy Eckler, and that was not a good thing. So, uh, I, he didn't care at all. I'm sure he was probably like, whatever, like this doesn't matter. But in my mind, I'm like losing my job. So, <laughs> and, and that was uh, kind of leading from that, but where I wanted to go with it was, you know, you talked about having that coach last year, you know, someone that you can talk through these issues with, uh, for you, I mean, did you have any reservations or self-conscious, you know, thoughts about, Hey, I'm coaching professional players now. And you know, I didn't play there myself. Like, did you, did, did that make you feel a particular way? Is there anything you did to get over it? Or is it still something you deal with? Like, what is, what is that mindset like? So kind of the unique thing for me is that I'm, I'm young. So going from a, a player, which wasn't that long ago, I think I stopped playing like four years ago now. Um, and I played with a bunch of the, like these pro guys, um, understanding how they operate and what what they talked about at the next level kind of got an idea of what they did at the next level that actually prepared me without me even knowing about it um so then when i did get into the coaching role i think the first day was extremely intimidating um just walking in the clubhouse i i actually i arrived at spring training last year and texted the field coordinator to come out and get me from my car and walk me into the facility because i didn't know where to go and i was just horrified i also wasn't wearing a collared shirt i, I didn't know i had to wear a collar i was just like there's a lot of things that I just wasn't aware of. There's a lot of like feel things that I just didn't know. Um, but then when I got on the field, I found that it was just like second nature, man. Like these guys are all there to, to, to get better and ultimately make it to the next level. Um, and anything that they can do to get better, they're going to listen to. So um, they all bought into what I was saying right away. And that made me very, feel very, very comfortable. So um, if anything, there wasn't, there wasn't very much of a, 
there wasn't anything scary about the coaching part of it. There was there was a little bit uh, of fear, I guess, when it came to the day to day, how to how to manage time, um, how to deal with uh, player coach interactions because I am so young. That was a new that was a different thing as well. Um, how to handle a manager? I never I didn't understand the the manager, defensive coach, pitching coach, hitting coach relations. I didn't understand how that all worked. I was just very used to um, facility and playing. So um, that stuff was the, the scary part for me. Going into my year, into year two, I've never felt more confident before. So, um, and I'm only going to let that grow now. I, there's just so many things that I'm hungry to do. And um, I'm just very, very excited to th- that I still have this opportunity and that I get to get out there every day and, and help these guys get better because ultimately it's, it's for the players. It's not about me ever. It's always about the players and making them better. Always. Definitely. I, I think uh, the next one I wanted to touch on was um, how important is it day to day to just kind of uh, learn again, you're, you're still a student of the game and we're all students of the game up until we're, we're not around the game anymore. I mean, even past that point, we're still students, but how important is it for you to continue learning and continue adapting? I mean, the baseball world now technologically and even philosophy wise has changed and it changes pretty much every month from what I can see anyway. But um, how do you make that uh, kind of transition or how do you adapt and continue learning? Yeah. But here's the thing is like, you're always going to have new things being sent at you. There's always going to be new things being put, put in in front of you that you're going to be like, what? Um, and which is fine. And it's okay to be like, what you don't, you can, you can ask questions. And I think that's the biggest thing is too many people will see these new developments in, in, in sport and shut it down right away because it's not the way they do things. And I think, um, that's a very big differentiating factor between professional coaching, professional players, and then amateur side of things is that the professional people are like, Oh my gosh, what is this? Let's see what we got. And if they can't understand it, they'll keep asking questions until they do. And at that point, if they don't think it's what they like, then they'll, they'll say that, but they'll still abide by any philosophy that an organization is putting out there. Um, When it comes to learning and and constantly just developing, that is, that's gotta be, Keep, that's got to be number one you're and, and you got to understand that you're not doing it for yourself either like you're not learning for yourself like yeah ultimately you are getting all this knowledge and you're getting better as a coach and um someone that is understanding more and more of the game that's a great thing but you're ultimately learning for these players again um everything that we do as developers has to be for the athletes um not ourselves and we need yeah. to understand that it's not about ego and it's not about what you know and how how much you know and about telling the world about you know you see this all over twitter and and stuff that everybody's just putting anything out there just to get the likes and the follows. And it's, it just drives me bonkers. Okay. It's, know the, understand the information and get and, and gain that knowledge. Awesome. Do it, spread the knowledge when it's, when it's warranted, but just to, just to put stuff out there just to do it is, is a negative thing in my opinion. And we need to make sure that um, people can see the, the difference between good stuff and stuff that's just being thrown out there. Um, yeah. But always, always, always remain um, curious in this game and always stay open to uh, new ideas, new technologies. Um, give everything a shot because it's just it's only going to make you better. And if it doesn't work for you, it might not work for you, but it might work for someone else. So remember that as well. Um, never put down something that um, doesn't necessarily work for you. Just be like, hey, that's not my thing, but I like this. And that's totally fine. Uh, we got to understand that every athlete and coach, for that matter, are very, very different people. Um, we all have different ways of doing things. There's never going to be the same way of doing things for everyone. So we need to ba- make, make sure that we can stay open to all the, all the information so that we can deal with all these different uh, athlete types and individuals. Um, that's a huge, huge thing, just staying adaptable. Yeah. No, 100%, definitely. And uh, one of the big things that I'll always say to an athlete, and I again, uh, you can agree or disagree. You can give me your opinion on it, Trevor. Uh, but I always say that no matter who's coaching you, you can always take something away from whatever coach you have. Um, Again, it's not that one coach knows more than another. It's just, again, we all have different philosophies. And again, you're going to run into some coaches that are very receptive and very open player focused. You're going to run into some coaches, again, who may have sort of the ego, but there's always something small that we can take away from any situation that we're put in as athletes. And would you tend to agree with that? Or do you have a different philosophy on that? I 100% agree with that. And here's what I'm going to say to you is, if you get into a situation where you get a, a coach with an ego and you recognize that that coach has an ego there, you just took something away from that. Okay. <laughs> and in my opinion, if you were, if you can, if you can sift through the, the eyewash, so you say, um, 
you're doing something well as an athlete. You're doing something right. You can tell that this person is literally just saying stuff to say stuff. And this person is actually trying to help me. Um, and that as an athlete, you are going to, you're going to develop that way. But if you're an athlete and you're taking something from that egotistical coach, let it be, let it be the most, just smile, nod, listen, respect him always, even if they are egotistical. <laughs> um, and then move on, move on from it and ask someone that you trust about what that person might have said. And if maybe, maybe, maybe some of the stuff was true and maybe you were wrong about that, your judgment on that coach. So never, never talk back to a coach and say, no, 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 that's wrong. That's this, that's this. Never say that. Always accept it. Smile and nod, ask them questions, challenge them. If you want, if you think, you, if you don't think that um, what he's saying is necessarily correct, um, ask him questions and see if he can answer it. And if you can back it up, typically he might be, he might be right. And at that least at that point, you're going to realize if he knows what he's talking about or not. Definitely. No, that's a great, great answer there. And great, uh, great kind of uh, open concept in terms of uh, looking at different ways, different coaches you may have, because we all aren't blessed with having the same coach all the way from minor ball all the way up through. Right. Um, yeah. So we do have a couple of questions that came in. So first uh, Glenn came in with a, more of a statement. I guess it is a question, but batting practice routine in the majors. Is there a common routine in the majors or minors or does it vary? Uh, that's a, that's a good question. Everybody has something different. Um, <laughs> so our hitting coaches obviously get with every individual hitter on a regular basis. And they all have, every hitter has different moves and different stances and different things that they're doing at the plate. Um, you know, one guy might be struggling with bat path and another guy might be struggling with uh, balance or he doesn't understand his sequencing. There's a whole bunch of different movement pieces in that part of the game. And so there is no my way or the highway at that level when it comes to batting practice. Um, the only time that you're going to see a routine is when it's on field BP and they're throwing like five pitches, four rounds, and that's it. Uh, but every guy has something individual that they're working on and they understand that when they jump in the cage and the hitting coaches have a tough job because they got to understand everybody's routines. So um, some guys will do T work and jump into front toss and flip. Some guys will do high, high hand stuff or not, no bat or short bat or one hand, or there's a bunch of different things that guys are doing on a regular basis and they'll do it every day, but it's all different. So um, I would do something different than Ryan. Ryan would do something different than, than Noah. And, but we'd all be in the same cages together and, that would be our work day every day. So um, do what do what's right for you. What you think is helping you out. Don't do something just because someone else says you should you should do this. All right. Yep. Again, take it as an opportunity to to learn maybe other other techniques or drill work thing, things that you can do. But you have something ultimately different than what another person will have going on at the plate, and you need to make sure that um, you're doing what's going to get you better. So whatever routine works for you, do that. Yeah, Nixon talked about that yesterday as a thrower when he went to the Cleveland exactly. minor league system. They had a very basic throwing program um, yep. that, but at that stage, I mean, guys could make their own assessments. And like he said, he needed to ramp it up because he had to throw every day to make sure he felt strong. Right. So no just another absolutely. example of that. Absolutely. For sure. Pitchers for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, uh, so back to our, our buddy Joey with another question here. So <laughs> do you still follow the pitch? Uh, so when on deck, do you still follow the pitch and time it with your swing? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can, that's a, that's a big missed part of the game. I think is the on deck circle is a lot of, a lot of kids don't understand what that's for. It's not about talking, uh, to the guys on the bench or looking at the girls in the crowd. It's about, I mean, you, there's time and place for all that, but, uh, you got to make sure that when you're on deck, you're almost in your at bat. I, a lot of people say your at bat starts on the bench, to be honest, is because you're looking at what these pitchers um, have to offer, right? Are they, does this guy throw hard? What's he doing to the left-handed hitters? What's he doing to right-handed hitters? And then you get on the on deck circle. You're that, that, that much closer. You're now communicating with, you know, a hitter that might be coming back from the, the, the batter's box after striking out or, or what have you, or at least facing that pitcher. Um, but in the on-deck circle, definitely timing is a good thing to work on. You can time them in the, in the dugout as well, though. You can time them with your eyes and just understand and visualize that yeah. feel of what you're going to feel when you get in the batter's box. Um, but then when you're on deck circle, you can you, you do you do have the opportunity to you know swing a bat. So um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend like trying to time your swing with anything. I would really just work on getting your sequence and visualizing that swing. Uh, maybe take a couple light hacks and and just understand where your hands are. But then when you get in the batter's box, it's go time. Try and take your timing and and your 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 knowledge of what you just gained on the bench in the batter's box and put that into your into your uh, at bat. Perfect. Yeah, definitely. No, it's it's definitely something that's overlooked. And I think uh, sometimes 
we tend to uh, get away from using it correctly and using it to gain some knowledge prior to getting into the box and developing our approach and maybe even changing our approach on the fly a little bit, depending on how that pitcher's throwing or working the guy ahead of us too. So, uh, no doubt. No doubt. but uh, one question I have for you, and I think this is one that everybody's going to kind of uh, get engaged about. So um, the, from, from what we know, obviously in the media and stuff like that, Mike Trout has been uh, kind of deemed one of the hardest working guys on the field. So, I know maybe some limited interactions there with uh, Mike Trout, but um, do you see that? I mean, you're down at uh, the Angels uh, minor league complex and not necessarily with the big club all the time, but uh, is there some truth to that about his work ethic that you've seen? He's, he, is a, he is an alien. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, he, is, he is an absolute freak. Um, just, he's also physically gifted. Like He's just an incredible uh, – genetically just blessed human however that doesn't just you don't just maintain that um he is a very very hard worker uh, both in the gym um and on the field um and the craziest thing about that is that he will take advice from anybody right like he will listen to anybody hey what do you got on this it could be a brand new uh outfield coordinator and he will go to him and be like, I want to be, I want to be this. What, what do you got on this? What can I do here? Do you, do you see this? Am I seeing this? Am I doing this right? Um, he is just an unbelievable uh, worker. And, and the best part about him is, is just how good of a person he is. Um, he is just, again, open to everything, humble, and one of the best teammates you'll ever, you'll ever be around. So um, he's just got everything going for him. We were, I've seen him bowl before, and he was beating people bowling uh, right-handed. And he was just doing it too easily, so he switched. He switched bowling left-handed on the fly, and was able to just kill people left-handed bowling. He's just, <laughs> he just one, he's just one of those guys. He's just an unbelievable, unbelievable athlete, and uh, an amazing, amazing role model for any kid out there. That's for sure. He's just, I can't say enough good things about him. And again, yeah, limited in interaction. I don't get to be around him too, too often. I only met him a few times, but um, amazing, amazing human, and uh, just amazing to watch. Like he he'll come down to the minor league side and take at bats, extra at bats in spring training. And um, I remember one specifically last, last year he took an at bat, broke his bat on a foul ball and was like all upset. And uh, Anderson Simmons was on deck. So Simmons tosses his bat to, to trout to say like, yeah, use mine. The next pitch trout hits like an absolute mammoth home run. I've never seen a ball go so far in my, in, in, in my life. He didn't run the bases. He walks back to the bench and, and t- tosses the bat to Simba and goes, your bat's too heavy, bro. <laughs> but yeah yeah he, he just he, i can't say enough good things about him but absolutely work ethics there and and uh i don't think that's ever going to stop with that guy now someone just asked a follow-up will he you know hopefully <laughs> the season gets back going again but will he lead in the homers in the al this year man there there's a very very good chance of that he is just he doesn't seem to stop getting better it's crazy i i don't know i don't understand how people do that but i i can't though i'm not a mind reader he, yeah. I know, I know what he, I know he goes into every at bat and just tries to compete every at bat. That's all he does. So, um, and I know he'll continue to do that. Perfect. Yeah, no, uh, on on the more personal side, Trevor. Um, actually, we just had another another question come in. I was going to ask you something uh, about yourself and uh, your goals, but we actually had a question come. <laughs> in that says, what drill routines do the catchers use for receiving, blocking, framing, and throwing? Any recommendations there? Um, actually, we just put a we just put a really good video out on our Instagram. I'm not trying to make a plug, but uh, we have a really really good young instructor here, yeah. and uh, he he's done a, he actually put out a really really good wall routine that you can work on just receiving and your and your transfers and your pop time. So um, all in all in like just a wall and like it's a little tight confined space. So go to our uh, Playball Academy Canada Instagram and um, look at that last video. I think it's the most recent one. If not, it's the second most recent one. So. Um, really, really good stuff. But again, just get on a wall with a tennis ball. You don't need a baseball. Don't need anything high velocity. Just go on a wall and, and, and use it. I'm telling you, a wall is your best friend in this in this uh, quarantine time. Yeah, guys, and follow up on what uh, Trevor just said there. Noah and I had spoke last week about putting up some content, but uh, seeing the stuff that uh, Play Ball is putting out there, we would highly suggest that you kind of go follow their stuff online at TN Defense, at Velo Pitching. Uh, what's the other one? At Play Ball Academy. Um, so follow all of, all of their stuff, guys. Um, we're we're going to use them as our resource for our members right now because they're putting out great stuff. Noah and I are going to focus on 
doing things like this and engaging people like Trevor and himself, having some, you know, good, casual, fun baseball conversations. And these guys will take care of the drills for us. Yeah, yeah definitely. Nope. But um, yeah, so guys, uh, very quickly before we wrap up, if you do have some uh, smaller questions uh, that Trevor can answer, we're going to wrap up very shortly here, but uh, send those in. And again, for those of you watching this on replay, um, again, just uh, we really want to thank Trevor for uh, being able to come on and spend this time with us and answer all of your questions. Uh, but Trevor, again, back to something on the personal side. So uh, short-term goals for yourself. I mean, uh, being, being the coach of uh, a coach with the angels and, Again, owner of uh, Playball Academy Canada and your own personal TN defense. What are what is uh, a short term goal for yourself? Um, oh work rolling into the season. You're killing me. Um, throw better BP. Uh, yeah. <laughs> number one. Yeah. Um, no, but man, just honestly, just stickability. I just want to stay in this game as long as I can. Um, I'm not gonna say no to any any opportunities. Really, um, I think every opportunity is an opportunity to grow. So. Um, but ultimately the, the short-term goal would be, yeah, just get back on the field and, uh, help these guys get to the next level as fast as possible. And, um, wherever that takes me, that takes me, I, that's, that's kind of how I, I go about life every day. So, um, on the play ball side of things, again, just trying to put out good content and keep things relevant and keep people interested in it. And, um, yeah, just keep pushing. Um, I wish I could put way more out on the TN defense side of things uh, in terms of drill work, but I'm limited to doing that now because of the, the Angels affiliation. So I, I, I can't put too much drills out, too many drills out there, unfortunately, just because I don't want to you know, step on anybody's toes. Um, but uh, if, you, if anybody wants to reach out to me with you know, direct messages or what have you, um, I'd be happy to talk to them on, on the behind the scenes and, and give them uh, anything they need to, to help get better. So um, but no, short term, short term goals. Again, just stay in this game as long as I possibly can. And um, whatever, whatever level that takes me to is, is great. Yeah, and I got just, I guess, following up on some of the coaching stuff you're doing right now. You talk about continuing to grow, continuing to learn, staying relevant. Um, two questions for you, a bit, bit self analytical here. What's your best quality as a coach and, and what do you need to work on? Oh, man. Um, Best quality as a coach, I would just say, uh, just relating with players. I think that's uh, one of my strong suits is just being able to get get to a personal level with each guy and um, get the best out of them because of that. I think, I think too many of us talk at people, and yeah. that's a big issue. You got to listen way more as a, as a coach. I find uh, these guys are already professional athletes and they understand how to play this game um, for the most part. Um, when they need a talking to, they will get a talking to, but they'll respect you when you do do that talking to because you've already gotten to that personal level with them. Um, again, ultimately it's, it's completely about the players always. So relating to them would be my, would be my strong suit. I'd say, um, I guess I'm just like a goof and easy to get along with that way. I don't know. Um, but that, I would say that's probably my strong suit there. And then, um, in terms of getting better, uh, I definitely need to understand way more about the situational aspect of the game. Um, learning how to manage a game and, and pull pitchers when, and how much like focus on pitch counts and all the behind the scene things like who's warming up in the bullpen, what guys be like, and then coaching on the bases and situational stuff, when to send guys, when not to send guys, when to put steals on all these different things that I, I never was really focusing on. I was always just playing and was like a pawn and just did anything a coach would tell me to do. Now I'm that coach and I need to be able to be the one giving that stuff out. So learning that is going to be the, the strong suit uh, or the, the, the thing going forward. Um, and then my final one would be uh, just continuing to learn, learn another language. Spanish is the big one. So um, I'm definitely, I'm definitely on my way there right now, but it's, uh, it's, it's tough, man, but that, that's definitely <laughs> the, biggest, the biggest goal. Good for you. That's awesome. Definitely. So yeah, before we let you go, uh, so can you just plug your, uh, again, Playball Academy, plug your social media accounts. Um, I know Velo Pitching. So if you want to plug those really quickly for our listeners and our viewers that are uh, following along and those that'll see this video after it's posted, uh, just to give them obviously those resources. So plug away right now. You, you want me to plug away in terms of uh, writing it on the chat or do you want me to say it? No, just just say it, and uh, then we'll uh, post it ourselves. So yeah, just awesome. uh, what what programs you guys have, and where where can we go to get that information and see those videos of those skill drills that you guys are putting out? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, the big the big thing right now that we got going on is a quarantine drill series um, at Playball Academy Canada. So if you go to our Instagram um, and our Facebook at Playball Academy Canada, um, you'll see all those videos there. Um, there's, there's videos about pit, like throwing, catching, hitting, 
uh, infield defense. There's going to be a new one every day for the foreseeable, foreseeable future until we run out of things to do. Um, the uh, other side of things, if you want to go to some of my stuff, personal, my personal stuff on the defensive side of things, um, you can go to the TN defense, tn.defense at, uh, on, on Instagram. And that has um, all of the stuff that I put out originally. Um, that's got the uh, probably the bigger following right now, but um, there's not going to be any new content going on onto that just because of uh, professional reasons. Um, and then, of course, Velo pitching um, is Tyler Susi, who you guys, I believe, are going to be talking to tomorrow. That's right. Um, he is the pitching guru around here, so he is putting a bunch of stuff on his Instagram at Velo Pitching. Um, all good stuff. And like I said, if there's any questions in the like about any of the stuff. Just reach out to me on my personal Instagram on at TN Defense, and I'll uh, I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on and answering some questions from some of our viewers and uh, PSA members, and obviously some of the questions that we had for you as well. Um, continue the great work, and uh, really appreciate you dropping on again. Um, any words from you, Ryan? No, thanks again, buddy. Uh, you know everything you've done for us here, obviously helping us get up set, yeah, get pleasure. set up. You know, a lot of people don't know this. You played a big role behind the scenes and helping us out over the last couple of years. So obviously a big shout out. Thanks again for all that you're doing. And, you know, whatever you need support from us, we'll be there because I know you've been there for us. So we appreciate it. No sweat, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Happy, happy bladed birthday again, Ryan. And we'll, Thanks, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon, man. Appreciate it. All right, awesome. Cheers. All right, guys. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon.